We've been busy with a, a sermon series called Build Your Church, and it's, it's a prayer. It's a prayer because we know Matthew, um, Matthew 16, Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And we're talking and discussing how do we say that prayer to Jesus? How do we allow Jesus to build his church? But we realized in the first sermon that mankind has a very intricate role to play in Jesus building his church. If we don't show up, if we don't, if we don't lend our, our members, our capacity, then it frustrates the building of God's church. He needs us to say yes to him because he made a decision to work in partnership with mankind on managing earth. And it's just one of those realities that don't often get said, but God said, let them rule over this planet. In that statement, in that moment, he made a decision that he will not act independently uh, f- f- on, the, on the matters of governance of the earth. Now, of course, we know he, you know, he sustains the earth. You know, he, he controls uh, the, the, the large outcome of uh, you know, where earth is um, situated in the solar system. And the Bible says he maintains all that by the word of his power. We have nothing to do with that. No matter how much we jump, we're not shifting this place into a different orbit. Yeah. There are things that he is fully, fully in control of, but there are things that he decided that he would do through us. And this walk called Christianity, he decided to do with people. He decided to do it through people. He decided to do it on people. You and I are the living stones that he uses to build upon the chief cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. But our lives are needed to be built on that rock so that the building may rise and contain more people, contain more more people. So I just want to say this. Jesus is doing two things. He's seeking and saving the lost and he's building a church, y'all. So I don't know what you're busy doing, but if you're not busy doing those two things, you ain't walking with Jesus. You're out on your own agenda. You're out doing your own plan, your own thing, your own life. And he is inviting you to come and help him seek, save the lost and build his church. And that's what this series is all about. And so today I want you to think hard and deep about where your life is directed toward because Jesus is building his church and he wants you to be involved in it. We've talked about the fact that it's going to take a church that understands this to bring change to a community, to transform a culture. It's going to take humility to walk with one another. Because I don't know about you, but I mean, I get offended. (laughs) I get hurt. People do things, say things that I don't agree with. And it's disappointing. But you know what? Being offended is inevitable, even in the church. But living offended is a choice that we can make to not do. And so we need that humility to say, all right. You know, I was wrong here, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to act in love because love covers a multitude of offenses toward me. And I'm going to choose to forgive because I am so appreciative of the forgiveness that I had received from Jesus, even though I did not deserve it. Neither does that person deserve mine. But you know what? That's kind of how forgiveness works. It comes undeservedly or it don't come at all. And then last week we spoke about faith. We spoke about the necessity of faith for each and every one of us to step outside of things that are just comfortable to humanity and step into the things that Jesus had called us to be involved in. You know, we realize that if we're going to walk in faith with God, it's going to require us to submit our will to his will. It's going to require us to enlist in his work. Yeah. (laughs) 
And it's going to require us to strive to imitate our hero. And I just invite you to go and listen to that message again if, you've, if you missed out on that one. I'm working through a couple of words that is indicators of the health of a Christian. The first one is about our family. Are we connected into church family? Because, y'all, we can't do this alone. You can't do this thing called Christianity alone because it wasn't designed to be done alone. And so God calls us into family always. The Bible says he takes the lonely and he places them. He places them in family. I don't want to say to you that if you're here, it might be the reason for, God's reason for bringing you here might be that he wants to place you here. It's important to be placed. It's like taking a tree out of the nursery, you know, where it came from, out of that little pot that sustained it and put it in a yard, in the soil of a garden, of a, of a house, where now it can shoot roots and start growing. No tree in a nursery grows beyond a certain place. And if, if it does, it, it, it just becomes weird, because then there's, there's this tree that's just in this pot, and it's meant to become so much more, but it just doesn't. Why? Because it's contained. God wants to actually set you free by placing you in a garden that is being tended, that is being pruned, that is being cultivated. And that's what we do in family. We spoke about uh, faith last week, and next week we're going to talk about freedom in Christ. But today we're going to speak about the need for foundations. So let's just review our scripture verse in Matthew 16, verse 15. Jesus said to his disciples, who do you say I am? They've been kind of, you know, brainstorming about what people say, who people say Jesus was at the time. And then Tom and Peter said this, he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Simon, son of Jonah, you are happy, bro. You're blessed because you did not learn this from man. It wasn't man who revealed this to you, but it was actually my Father in heaven who made you realize that who I really am. And then he said to him, very importantly, I'll tell you that you are Peter. And in that moment, it was like the moment where God said to Adam, now go multiply and subdue the earth. In other words, let the earth obey the pattern that I have placed inside of you to reproduce on earth. Let the earth obey that. Go and cultivate the earth and keep it. In other words, protect it from harm. He said to Simon, you are Peter. He changes his name from Simon to Peter. Peter means rock. But we know this revelation that Jesus is the rock on which the church is built is confirmed by scripture in other places that says that the stone that has become uh, you know, a, a stone of offense over which unbelievers have stumbled, Jesus, God has made that stone the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the rock on which the church is built. However, he connects man, but not just any man. He connects the man and the woman who understands who Jesus is to the building of the church. And so, yes, Jesus is the rock. He is the, the cornerstone of God's church, which, which it's built. But you and I are little rocks that takes part in the building of this church. And then he says to them, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, the holy nation of heaven. And whatever you do not allow on earth will not have been allowed in heaven. And whatever you allow on earth will have been allowed in heaven. What's it saying here? It's saying, no, you don't get to decide what goes and what doesn't go. No, actually, you get to know what goes and doesn't go, and then you get to release that knowledge on earth. 
you get to enforce that knowledge on earth. Why? Because we're meant to uh, manage this planet according to the revelation that we've gotten from God. We don't get to decide things for ourselves. We get to learn them from God and implement them in the earth. It all matches. It all matches with the original intent that God had with mankind in the garden. And so the second Adam comes and he corrects what the first Adam messed up. And he reinstates humanity in their role of establishing God's pattern and establishing God's church on earth. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing how that calls you and I to action, calls you and I to, to participation in what Jesus is doing? No, you're not just a, you know, you're not just like, you know, tag along. No, you're not. You're essential. You're essential. Your gifts, your perspectives, your, uh, your energy, your capacity, it's essential. It's needed. It's not just, oh, well, you know what? God's got this anyways. <laughs> he decided to work through you and I. And so he wants us, he calls us to be a part of this. This week's title is It Takes Foundations. It takes foundations. It takes a church, it takes humility, it takes faith. Church is family for us, but it takes foundations. Right believing leads to right living. Can we all say that together? Say that. Right believing leads to right living. Jesus told the story about a house being built on the rock. In Matthew 7, we read of it. 24, 25 says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine, Jesus' words, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Then the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. 1 Corinthians 3 talks about this foundation, 10 to 11. According to the grace of God, it's the Apostle Paul speaking, given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one therefore take care how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ, which is Jesus Christ. He is the foundation of the house of God. And it does not just say that the person of Christ and what he did to accomplish our salvation. No, it talks about everything about him. His character. It talks about his, um, it talks about his opinions about things. His perspectives. His teachings. Every single part of his actions is foundational to us. If you want to become a good student of who God is, you need to study the life of Jesus because it actually tells you who God is, how God will react in moments, how God reacts to certain things. You know, the, the one guy shouts out to Jesus, if you are willing, you can heal me. How many of us have stood before a person that is going through something and we wonder, I wonder if God wants to help this person. I wonder if God wants to heal that person. It's because we don't study Jesus. Look at what he said when he said that. He says, I am willing. Be healed. It's a fundamental attitude that God has to respond to us. To respond to our need. He wants to help. He wants to respond to you. I am willing. Be healed. We need to study God so that we can understand how we ought to live. Right? It's, it's that foundation, uh, no, the foundational thinking that makes us either build on a different foundation of human opinion, human perspectives, the zeitgeist, the cultural you know, perspectives that we kind of have around us always. 
versus what is biblical, what is from God, what God has ordained through the life of Christ and the teachings that those have echoed about him. It says, let us take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Our problem is that instead of focusing on how we should build, we started taking upon ourselves to mess with the foundation. We challenged the truths of Scripture. We challenged the truths of Jesus Christ that he had come to establish for the church, for Christianity, and we start messing with that. And we think of ourselves as, okay, no, 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 it's, it's our job to define what's right and wrong, how things ought to work and how things wouldn't, ought, ought not to work, or what's okay and what's not okay. No, no, it's actually not our job to define that. It's our job to receive that from God and then go and build upon that. And our job is to figure out how do we build upon that, not is that really right? No, by faith, we submit our will to his will and we accept what he's in his word saying is right. And we try, therefore, to figure it out from there. You see, so often it becomes difficult in life because we're, you know, we're hit with reality. Like I don't have money or I, don't, I feel different from what you know, the Bible says I should be feeling about different things. And so what I'm trying to do is instead of figuring out how can I build correctly within the tension that I'm feeling, I start thinking, no, 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 it must not be right to build on that foundation at all. That foundation must be faulty. It shouldn't be expected of me to build that way on that foundation. And what we get then is we get destructed lives. Because the life that's not built on the foundation of Jesus Christ cannot withstand the storms of this world. It just cannot. It cannot. Um, and you know what? When storms hit, and it's not an if, it's a when. When storms hit, we are <laughs> tested. Our foundations are tested. How we built are tested. And so if in any form or way your life spiraled out of pattern of Christ, out of pattern of what God wanted, there means something. It's not just, oh, life happened to me. No, 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 no. Jesus actually meant for us to walk through life that does happen to us unscathed. He means for us to, or rather not unscathed, but unmoved, sorry. He means for us to walk victoriously through the different challenges and pressures that life throws at us. And believe you me, life throws pressures at everybody. Everybody goes through pressure. You're not unique. Everybody has sometimes pressure that is so unbearable to them that they feel like they can't even get up in the mornings. Everybody experiences that. And if I'm in this room, I'm included. Everybody experiences pressure, but God meant for you to build your life on a rock of Jesus Christ, on his revelation, his character, his way of doing things, his responses, opinions to things, so that when that happens, you are not moved. How many of you would like a life like that? Where when pressure comes, you stand. The Bible says, having done all to stand, just remain standing. Do not give an inch. Do not doubt your foundations. Do not call and question the things that God had ordained, that God, that God had proclaimed. No, all you have to do is consider how shall I build upon those truths. But we've not done that. You know, cultural Christianity, um, I, I read some stats about American Christianity, and, it, and it's shocking. Only 30% of Christians actually believe that salvation is by faith alone. Imagine that. Of all the Christians in America, there's only 30% that are convinced that salvation is by faith alone. The rest includes some form of work, some form of um, 
you know, uh, self-performance that needs to be connected in there before a person can be saved. That's shocking. That's one of the most foundational principles of Christianity. And only 30% of those who claim to be Christians in America have a conviction about that. That foundation is lacking. Only 30% of Christians believe in attending a service of, of some church on a weekly basis. The number rises a little bit if it comes to a monthly basis, but it's still under 50%. Christians believe that congregating according to what the Bible teaches is still something that we ought to do. This is not something that is just, oh, well, you know what? No, no, no. This, this is a problem. This is a problem because it's a foundation of the church's existence. And when we start doubting that foundation, we start, we start crumbling. Our lives start crumbling. Maybe slow. Maybe it's just a little crack here. And we kind of, you know, patch it up and it, it goes okay for a little bit. But soon you see the effects of that. We've come to think that, you know, uh, um, that marriage is dispensable. Faithfulness is optional. Honoring parents are optional. Lying is acceptable. Greed and envy have successfully been rebranded in more socially acceptable terms. And more than 50% of American Christians now believe they hold no responsibility to share their faith with other people. In a focus on the family survey of a thousand women who had abortions, 70% marked Christianity as their religious preference. And 43% reported attending church at least monthly. In this list, I've covered almost all of the Ten Commandments that have now become justifiably okay to not do anymore. I've seen multiple people's houses fall over the last couple of years, and I've only been here about three. And it comes down to their opinions and held beliefs that caused them to be shaken when the storm hits. My question today is, is your life built on Jesus, the revelation of Jesus, or do you hold other opinions that excuses you from having to live according and build on the foundation of Jesus Christ? Jesus is building a church that is gonna overcome. Jesus is building a church that, that will withstand the gates of hell. Right, the gates of hell won't withstand it. Sorry, because there's an important analogy in that that, that we can't miss. Um, gates don't attack. You know, we're meant to attack it and open it and won't, uh, won't resist us. But we need to be a church that is built on Jesus as the foundation. Because if we're not, the gates of hell will withstand us. It will keep us captive. It will cause us to not be able to walk in the freedom and the liberty and the blessing that Christ had meant for us to live when he said, I came so that I might have life and have it more abundantly. You get two types of storms in life that hit you. And it kind of ties in with, with some of what, a little bit what Chuck said in his ministry before, in, 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 before he said, you know, there are storms of tragedy and then there are storms of prosperity. We all know the storms of tragedy. I mean, how they play out in multiple scenarios. But we're not so familiar with the storm of prosperity or comfort. 
When things go well, we start thinking we don't need to build on God's foundations anymore. We, we become cocky and, and really we just become an accident waiting to happen. If you're comfortable in your life right now, if things are going your way, if you're on that mountaintop, don't think that it's okay to veer away from Jesus' foundation. Because there's going to be a valley again. There's going to be a moment where you need to withstand the storms of life. And then you're going to wish that you actually built properly. You built on that foundation of Jesus. It takes foundations to build to last. In Hebrews 6 verse 1 to 3 it says this, Therefore, let us move beyond you know, the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Note that foundations is necessary to lead to maturity, to go on towards growing to maturity. And then it calls out a couple of things. It is not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting we will do so is verse 3. But in our reality, unfortunately, we have to lay the foundations again because so many people don't understand even what that list of six foundations there is. And it's, and it's clear through that list of statistics that I, that I shared with you because each one of these things are, are often not understood in how they play out in a Christian's life and, 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 and that list tells me that Christians have lost these foundations. They have lost the foundational beliefs, instructions concerning how Christians ought to live and have therefore actually started building on a different foundation. The first and second foundation is repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Repentance from dead works and faith toward God. You know, the Bible says dead works aren't just the outright sin that we commit. And in the outright sin category, you get sins of, you know, commission that you did, and then sins of omission. Things you should have done, but you didn't do. Okay? But it's not just those. Acts that lead to death are also acts that are done from a mentality of, a, of, of, of trying to obey, trying to please God through obedience to the law. Trying to be saved by doing good works. The work in itself might be great, but if you think that by that work you will be saved, the Bible calls that work dead. It's a dead work. Now does good works after you have been saved, can they ever be dead? I don't think so. But before one actually accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, if he thinks that by, uh, by performing good works, by those works, he will be judged whether he's done enough or not enough, and by therefore done enough and now equals salvation, the Bible calls them dead works. We need to repent of that mindset, repent of that way of approaching him so that we can have faith toward God. Because it's faith in God that leads to salvation and only faith in God that can lead to salvation. But our problem is that we've, we've kind of absolutized one 
aspect of God and we try to ignore the other parts of God. And so we've really been designing our own God based on our preferences and based on our comforts, what we would like to do and how we would like to live, then we create this God that has all the Christian themes about it, but unfortunately, it does not include the complete package. We say God is loving, but we ignore the fact that he's also righteous and that he's a righteous judge. We say God is full of grace, but we ignore the fact that he's also a God of justice. You know, we say God is, God is a God of forgiveness, but we ignore the fact that God is also a God of restitution to make things right. We want a Jesus our Savior, but we don't want Jesus our Lord. We don't want Jesus to be the king because the king calls the shots. No, I still want to be king. I still want to be on the throne of my own life. But you know what? I know there's one thing I can accomplish, and that's getting myself to heaven. So, okay, Jesus, I'll use you for that. Well, he ain't available for that. He's available to be put on the throne of your heart or nothing. We can't create a God that we like and that fits into our mold of how we want to do life and then say, I have, you know, I'm a Christian. Now, to be a Christian is to build on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. And every revelation that comes from who he is and who God is as he revealed God to us. I pray that our faith will be in the biblical God, not the God that society have created, not the kind of God that, that people say is okay with divorce, not the kind of God that people say, oh, you know what, he's okay. And look, don't get me wrong. I, there, there are biblical reasons for many of the things that we need to do, such as divorce. But before you get there, you need to consider the whole counsel of Scripture. Because God is not for it. And that is true. We can't serve a God that's okay with abortions. Because He's not. We can't make up a God that is comfortable to our needs and desires. That's what I'm trying to say. And that is just basically a genie in a bottle. All right, I need you now. Okay, now I don't need you no more. I got this. All right, now I need you again. And now I don't need you anymore. He's either going to be Lord of your life or he's not. And for us to, to live any other way is to not build on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Galatians 6 verse 7 to 10 said this, Don't be deceived. You, can't, you cannot mock God. For whatever you sow, that you will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Excuse me. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap. This is an encouragement to us to say, look, building on the foundation of Jesus Christ might not look as, you know, as lucrative as the other option that you could have taken. He might not, he might not like look that, you know, 
comfortable or that like, you know, soothing to you. But if you build correctly, if you accept that foundation and you continue to do good, to build your life according to that pattern, trust me, do not give up in due season. You will reap the rewards that come with building on the right foundation. Do not give up in doing good. And this does not just refer to us being good to people. This refers to us to building correctly according to his pattern. Do not give up on that. Because it will lead to you reaping the benefit of living life according to God's principles. God's pattern leads to God's, uh, and process leads to God's product. But it requires faith and patience and the ability and the willingness to accept his foundations and live according to them no matter how hard it becomes no matter how much discomfort it brings us if we will do it his outcomes will become reality in our lives it says the third oh sorry the third and fourth foundation is about our witness it's about our witness the first testimony a christian should make after accepting Jesus as Lord, is to be baptized publicly as an expression or a confession, a public declaration that they have made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of their heart. That is your first opportunity to testify that you have become a Christian. And the second thing that we should start doing, and that's about the laying on of hands, is that we need to start making disciples. Let me, let, me, let me explain to you what the laying on of hands is. The laying on of hands is the culmination of a journey where you've walked with somebody and you have now empowered them to lead others in their journey with Jesus. Leadership. Where you get recognized as being a leader in a community of people that has others led, that has others following them. Jesus called us to walk with people. He called us to help people in, along in their journey with Jesus. One day somebody invited you here. And way before that, there was, there was prayer for you. And there was like, you know, uh, encouragement for you and, and loving you to, to help you to come to see the reality of the life, the God that lives inside of Christians so that you might want to investigate for yourself. Is this God the one I want to accept? Is this God the one I want to receive and believe in? But all that happens through people. Living life with and for other people. Loving on other people. Encouraging other people. And then revealing to other people why they're doing it. I'm not doing this because I'm that great of a guy. Trust me. I'm doing it because the love of God compels me. Because he loves you and I recognize his love for you. I might not feel his love for you as great as he does, but the fact is he does. And you need to know that. Sometimes we think that we need to be these saints, you know. <laughs> we are saints, okay. Um, but we think we need to be these, you know, these, these cultural, uh, um, cultural explanation of what a saint is. You know, this perfect being. That's just a completely selfless, completely loving, completely perfect in all their ways. 
And that kind of a person can let other people know about Jesus. No, 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 no. Jesus delivered a demon-possessed man who was running around graveyards naked. How did they equip him? Just one thing. They gave him clothes. <laughs> That's all they did for him. <laughs> did not teach him anything. Did not, like, you know, help correct his views. Did not, nothing. Gave him clothes and sent him on his way. And the Bible says that guy went about the a metropolitan of 10 cities and he shared what Jesus had done for him. <laughs> How's that for being prepared to share and to, to start exp explaining to people what God has done for us? Our testimony, our walking out of our faith requires us to walk and be focused on people. It's all about people. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Who are the lost? They're people. They're the person on the other side of the fence that we don't have here in southern Louisiana. Sometimes we do. Where I come from, there's massive fences. Sometimes a 10-foot fence is around every single house, no matter where you go. You know, <laughs> super private. I don't know why. No, it's more for security. It's so easy to say hi to your neighbor over here. It's so easy. Like you see your neighbors almost daily. God wants us to have our focus corrected. Being out there, connecting with people, helping people, serving people, loving people requires us to actually be aware and take notes and be interested in people. And that is what this is about. The, the, the foundation of Christianity is that we need to share our faith with other people. Through practical things, but also through our witness. This is what I experienced. Let me explain to you what happened in my life when I started making Jesus the Lord of my life. Let me help you understand that this wasn't just a, a religious act. Let me show you that this changed the way I see reality. That changed the way I saw myself. Let me show you how, what it meant to me for ex when I realized Jesus truly, truly died for me personally. I tell you what, that testimony carries power. Carries power to bring other people into that same relationship, grace-based relationship that God had for us. You know, this morning again, um, somebody affirmed to me how you know, just this church is such an easy place to get involved in. There's no judgment here. Let me tell you that that is an intense privilege to, to know that. And that's something that we need to tell people, look, I want, you to, I want to involve you in something that gives me life, brings me life. No one, nobody is judged for where they're coming from. Everybody's believed in. Everybody's loved. Everybody's accepted and said, let's join and, and invited to join our journey to becoming more like Christ. No matter where you come from or how far you've been out of it, everybody's invited because it's about people. It's about people. And each of us need to, need to, desire that time where we can tell and lay our hands on another person's system all right you're ready you're ready now to share with people about what you what happened in your life 
and invite some people into your journey. So I want to encourage you, invite people into your life. Invite them into your journey. Invite into th- that journey, the same journey that you have right now. Don't wait until it's better. Invite them now so that they can see the effect that God will have on your journey. Because that itself will be a testimony of God's power to them. If we, if we include people in our process, they might start believing that God can process them as well. Sometimes we wait till we're perfect and we go like, oh, look what God has done. And people go like, oh, I can never get there. I can never get there. Let's include them in our process. Invite them to your life group. Invite them to come sit with you here and have a conversation afterwards over lunch about what you heard. Invite people into your life. That's how it starts, this journey of discipleship, is just getting people to be a part of you. Invite them for dinner. Invite them for, you know, a braai, right? A braai is the South African way and really the correct way of saying a barbecue. You know, because in South Africa, we don't queue in front of barbers. We just don't, uh, you know. And, and only little girls make barbecues when they line their barbies up, you know, in a row to be played with. It's like, we braai. All right, so y'all gonna have to get used to the fact that we're gonna bry. And now and then I'll explain myself, but not always, and I, I, I don't make excuses for it. <laughs> All right, y'all say that, say bry. All right, thank you. That blessed my heart. That really blessed my heart. Maybe we can have a meeting afterwards, spelled M-E-A-T-I-N-G. All right, <clears throat> the fifth and the sixth foundation is about the final outcome of our faith. Man, people get this wrong so bad. If we truly believe that this is not the only part of our lives, our existence here on earth, if we truly believe that we'll get to enjoy a life after this life that's gonna last for eternity, we will not try and get everything done here. We will prepare now for when we get there and for what's gonna come there. It's just my perspective as to what I'm supposed to accomplish over here. We truly actually think that we need to accomplish everything we want to accomplish in life this side of the grave. Prove me wrong. We save our money. We, save, we, we, we spend our time. We spend our, our, our energy, our emotions, our lives on what? On here. If we truly understood that there is a resurrection and truly understood that nobody in this room is not going to live forever, If we truly believe that, we will treat this part of existence differently. But we forget this foundation. We forget that there's a life coming after this life that we need to be preparing for right now. And so we take all of our time, all of our effort, all of our energy into getting everything done this side of the grave and we're preparing nothing for what comes after. We won't stop existing when we die. Not you and not the unbeliever around the corner. Everybody continues existing. The state of your existence is to be determined by your decisions over here. And I'm not just talking about your eternal life in heaven. I'm talking about what kind of life that's going to be. Listen to what... um, 
First Corinthians 3 verse 14 to 15 says this, If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved as through fire, as though, but only as through fire. There is a way that we can build this side of eternity that, 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 that gains for us a reward in heaven, in eternal life. And if we truly understood what that meant, we will spend our time and our resources differently here. Do you realize that the Bible says, he who gives to the poor lends to God? It's one of those things we need to listen. When's God going to pay back? Hey, not always this side. Some of it is stored up for you in heaven. How you treat your neighbor, how you invest in people, to be honest, is the most significant way that you are storing up treasure in heaven. Those who you choose and those whom you're praying for to go with you, that is how you invest your time, your energy, and your efforts here and, 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 your, and your treasure here to have the best return on investment one day when we get to eternity. But we don't understand this foundation. It's the fundamental belief that my existence here is temporary. It's preparatory. It's setting me up. How have you set yourself up for eternity? What have you invested in? Has all your efforts and your time commitment simply have been on the greenback boogie, chasing the almighty dollar, trying to look after things that need to happen here? Let me tell you that that is not how God wanted us to build. He did not want you to become so mightily successful on earth, but have nothing that survives for a reward in eternity. Rather, he wants you to invest here to prepare and set up for eternity. And again, that means investing in his kingdom's work, investing in the things that matter in eternity more than the things that matter here. Sometimes we get so, um, we get so bogged down by the, you know, the, um, the, 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 the understanding that you know, ten percent of our of our in income and our time and our, our you know our, our energy and all that you know we, we we should give that to God. We get so bogged down with that, right? That we get to a place where the ten percent is, is is in fact first of all that's that's like a law that that really don't bring life to us. But we'll talk about that later. But the bottom line is that we lose the purpose for the ninety. Okay, I've done my duty. I've done my duty. No, God doesn't just have a purpose for your 10%. He has a purpose for everything. And he desires for you to come in alignment with his way of thinking, his way of believing. Because if you build according to that, you're not just building for here to be successful and to have a, a, a house that, that will last and will stand. No, your house will last into the next life. He wants us to think like he. And then the second thing he says, um, the, 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 the sixth one is there is, 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 is um, let me get, get to that one. 
The sixth, let me just remember the one is the resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. We forget that there is a coming judgment that will separate humanity. And the importance of us letting everybody know that we want with us on the right side of eternity that Jesus is the way to salvation. He doesn't show us the way to salvation. He is the way to salvation. In other words, it requires faith in Him in order to be saved. Right? But that's what Revelation 2, 5 says. It says, look, um, remember therefore where you have fallen from and repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And the lampstand there, I believe, is not necessarily your salvation. I just believe it's your influence. It's your influence. Because God wants the influence that flows through His church to be an echo of His own influence. An echo of His own influence. Again, 1 Corinthians 3, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Let us live our lives in such a way that it really and truly sees the foundational belief that there is a life coming after this that I need to invest and prepare for. So this means that literally every one of us are full-time in ministry. Every single one of us are in full-time ministry. It's not just me who do this with, you know, every hour, every, every part of my day. No, no or let me, let me rather say who is vocationally doing this. No, it's every single Christian are called to believe and build on these foundations. Every single Christian. Everyone is full-time. Now, listen, this doesn't mean that you have to be a jerk and go and offend people, you know, and go and force things on people and go and, you know, uh, shove stuff down people's throats. No, no, this is actually a call to become like Jesus who served people, who loved people who were offensive to him rather than being unnecessarily offensive to. In fact, the people Jesus were offensive to weren't the unbelieving sinners. No, it was the religious, self-righteous. And neither does he call us to be offensive to them. But he, he calls us to ministry. He calls you to ministry. And if he calls you, he'll enable you for it. Right? And so the encouragement here for us is to, is to stop building our lives on these perspectives. Because it's because we've not held these perspectives that we've not produced the product, that we've not built our lives on, on this foundation. It's going to take these foundations if we are to partner with Christ so he can build our church into the overcoming, revival-catalyzing church that he needs us to be in this region. And we can do it because we are able to do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But in the context of what I just said here, Christ's strength isn't there for you to follow your own agenda. 
to follow your own dreams, to follow your own plans. No, Christ's power is there for you to fulfill His purposes. It's there for you to come and build on His foundation. That has to make sense, right? That has to make sense. So my question for us today that we're going to grapple with in a second of prayer is, which of these foundations have you tampered with or which of them have you ignored which of them should you rebuild in your life can we get those foundations up there on that screen for a little bit again i want to encourage you look at that list there and let's spend a moment in prayer and ask god where must my um where must my perspectives my opinion my belief system adjust to accept what your word says in Hebrews 6 about what is foundational to the Christian lifestyle. Holy Spirit, I just ask you right now to to show us the thing that you would like us to respond to today. How have we made our own opinions up? Show us, Holy Spirit. Where have we created our own image of you Where have we defined what a Christian life is to be that is not in alignment with your word? Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to accept your truth. Knowing that when we accept your truth, your work on us can begin. And you can empower us And you can lead us, grow us to be able to perform your will. I know the number one thing some of y'all are thinking is, I can't do that. I can't do that. Some of you think that that's not your gift to do. Again, that's a faulty foundation. And it led you to the place where you just don't believe you can do this some of you just really insecure and uncertain about yourself for for all of us God is saying when you are weak that's when my strength will shine through you more evidently the Bible says he uses the strange things the foolish things of this world to confound the wise you know what's the foolish thing the person who never really knew how to share the gospel, but out of pure love and concern for somebody tries. And then that person gets saved. Not because a professional shared the gospel in all its aspects perfectly correctly and theologically sound. No, because somebody was foolish enough to try. He takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Father, speak to us here today. How have we limited you in our lives, Lord? By our faulty thinking, by our human reasoning. Your word says in Proverbs, Proverbs, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Show us, Lord, how have we lent on our own understanding, lean on our own understanding of who we are, 
Some of you say, no, but I'm just, I'm just this kind of person. I can't do that. No, it's faulty thinking. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Is Christ inadequate? Can Christ not share something? Can Christ not love somebody adequately? No, He can. Does He live through you? Then He declares of you, greater is He who's in you than He who is in the world. By the way, you're also in the world. Christ in you is greater than you. You with Jesus is greater than you. Stop limiting what He can do through you. If He chose you, He qualified you. You are qualified to be used by the Almighty. You don't have to go out of character, but you have to go out of comfort. Allow Him to fix your foundations so that you can start building a house that'll last no matter what you face. Holy Spirit, show us. Show us. Help us to accept your truth, Lord. Help us to not combat it with our, our rebellious nature. Help us to not combat it with our... Um, our nature is just contrary to you, Lord. It just wants to do the opposite of what you tell us. But thank you that you say in Philippians 2.13 that you are working on the inside of us to give us the desire as well as the ability to do the things that please you. Do a, do a work in our hearts here today, Father. And fix our foundations, we pray in Jesus' name. If you've... If you've accepted something to change in your heart today, I want to encourage you. You have to study what that means. You have to learn what that means. And just be interested to see what that could lead to. Take the Word of God and go and see for yourself the things that we spoke about today. And settle it in your heart that, sure, okay, this is how it ought to be. There's nothing wrong with realizing that you are not it yet. In fact, that's the reason for testing is to figure out which parts we don't know yet, right? Which parts we need development in yet. We fear the results so much because it says to us that we're dumb or clever. No, none of these tests tell you that you're dumb or clever. These tests just tells you, here's where you're going to grow next. And here's where you've got it in place. Let us receive that correction from God. Let us be willing to just grow with Him into how He wants us to think and how He wants us to live. And that's how we continue to respond to our faulty foundations and let Him truly, truly live through us. God bless us. Thank you, Chuck.